Amen. Hey, you guys. My name is Kyler. If we haven't met yet, I'm on staff with Salt Company, too. I get to work with that crazy guy. A um, few things you might need to know about me. Uh, first of all, I've never ran up onto the stage from the center aisle. That's just not my thing, but that's Jordan's thing, so that's cool. I like to cruise in that way and not let anybody see me. Um, but anyways, I am married. I've been married for almost three years, actually three years this month. Hopefully I don't forget when it is, when that anniversary is. But married to Candace. We actually met in Salt Company. We met at the fall retreat. So I'm just saying, maybe you should go to the fall retreat. It would probably, I mean, you would at least make friends. And that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. But you should go to the fall retreat. You never know. You might meet your future spouse. Um, but don't hold me to that. I'm not promising you anything. Guys, especially. Um, but anyways, we... We, uh, we had a baby right, at, right before COVID, basically. So his name's Archie. He's 18 months today. Um, so he's, he's a ton of fun. I, um, I just have, like, more fun being a dad every day right now because he just does new stuff every day. And he, he says all kinds of funny words now, like poop and fart. Um, so it's a good time. He thinks that when he farts, he poops. And when he poops, he farts. It's, he's got it backwards, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, I mean... I don't know what else you need to know about me, honestly. I work here. I went to Cornell College. Any Cornell Rams here? Woo! Just right here in the front cheering for me. I love it. I'm going to move this before I fall over and make you guys embarrassed that I went to Cornell. But, um, yeah, so, so we're, like, we're talking about community tonight. We're talking about why you need friends, essentially. So I just thought I would start with basically telling you some funny stories of, of friends that I had in college that, that actually were good Friends, faithful friends, and we, we did some like weird stuff. I mean, for instance, what we did one time for, for one of our friends who just got a little bit weird on his Instagram and was getting all poetic and trying to be, you know, impressing the ladies, he, he posted this like picture of a bench on campus, and it was just, we just all were annoyed by it. We were still his friends, but we were just annoyed at how like weird he was being, and so we, we thought, what if what if we just borrow this bench, like not steal the bench, what if we borrow this bench, put it in his room while he's sleeping so that when he wakes up, he has stolen school property on, you know, in his room, it would go great for him. He would know that that post was just a little bit too weird. Um, so we did that. Didn't go over that well. He was kind of mad, but still, still my friend, I think. Um, another thing we would do is like all my freshman buddies in the dorm that I lived in, we kind of like pulled pranks on each other, and then we realized our RA like thought he needed to like get involved, but we were just having fun, so we just decided let's start pranking him because he's more, you know, he's more kind of just annoyed. This will this will actually satisfy us more, so let's prank him. So we just started like putting Bluetooth speakers up in the ceiling tiles, you know, those draft like those ceiling tiles that hang down. We'd flip those up, put stuff, put speakers in there, blast music from our rooms, and he wouldn't know where it's coming from, and he would just get so mad, and it was it was great. We did that together. We had great times. We had good memories. Good memories. I would, this was particularly my thing, I would sit out with my buddies, Austin and Brady. We would sit up, like, kind of right outside his door. There was this little uh, landing on the stairs by his door, and there's this big, nice, tall, narrow plastic trash can, great for making, like, a really loud thundering sound if you just smack it with a small metal rod, and then I'd hide the rod in the windowsill, and he wouldn't know. So we'd come out, think someone, like, got murdered, and then <laughs> I'm just there, like, reading a book with my buddies. It's great. And so we would do that. And you're probably asking, like, why, why do these stories have anything to do 
with what we're talking about tonight. Like, why am I telling you these stories as we're about to open the Bible? Well, it's first of all because I actually think you guys need these type of friends, like friends that you are going to make hilarious, stupid memories with in college. But even more than that, I actually, like, I'm serious. I think you need, I think you need friends that care about you. Like, I think you need friends that care about your closeness to Jesus. And I think you need friends that, that are willing to tell you things that, like, maybe you don't even want to hear sometimes, but out of love, they're going to tell it to you. And, I mean, I'm thinking back to some of these stories, right? As fun as they are, I was actually, some of the times, like, two different people. I don't know if you resonate with that. Like, you're, you kind of, like, are one person with some friends and then another person with some other friends. Like, that was me in high school, and I didn't even get over that so much early on in college. Like, I was, I was actually kind of acting like two different people, depending on if I was with friends from Salt or friends that I would do stupid stuff with in the dorms. But, I mean, I only got, like, so many citations or whatever. One, I got one from that RA. It's all good. Nothing happened. I still graduated. Um, but, like, on a much more serious note, the, the research, the statistics would say that in a room this size, two-thirds of you would say, at least to some degree, some mild degree at least, that you feel alone, you feel depressed, you feel that you have a, a significant amount of anxiety, and that you, you actually are struggling. Like you don't feel fully known, you don't feel fully loved. I was listening to somebody talk about just how in college this is, this is a rising kind of trend right now. And someone had said that they, they'd been meeting with a college student recently, and this, this guy, this, this college guy, he, he was honest, and he said, you know, man, I've got, I've got 2,000 friends on Facebook and not a single person calls me on a Friday. Has anyone had feelings like that? Feelings like that guy who, like, who's actually a dude that knows a lot of people, has a ton of relationships, but they're all surface level? That's kind of actually, like, not a great feeling to have, right? Like, that's, that's not a great feeling to have, and yet, I think a lot of us would say, like, that's been us. And we're so obsessed with, like, kind of in our social media age, documenting, like, the things that we do and the things that we do with other people and where we're at. And when we're left out, it's, like, actually, like, way more crushing because we know, like, oh, they did something without us because I'm on my couch looking at, you know, Snap Story, whatever it's called these days, I don't know, and you're left out. Like, that wasn't a thing for kids, like, in college 30 years ago. Like, you just were doing whatever you were doing, and you didn't know that you were missing out. You didn't spiral into to feeling like you weren't that popular, that you, you didn't actually have that good of friends. But now, in the day and age that we live in, that's, that's normal. Like, the, the thing that's in your pocket, that smartphone... That actually causes so many more problems. Plenty of people agree. It's so just kind of clear with the research. And as, as we're talking about like being a part of community, especially Christian community, like we can also just be real. I think that if you grew up in, in the church, you probably had some, some bad experiences. Like you might have some, some church hurt. Like you might, have, you might have been turned off by either like how how your church treated somebody who, who was your age, who was in high school, that was like 
living in sin, and that just like made you never want to associate with this Jesus thing again. Or maybe, maybe you've just bumped enough into hypocritical Christians. Chances are, even if, even if you don't have that much experience with church, you've had some group of friends that you're not friends with anymore because something went down. Like somebody got hurt. There's some reason why you don't talk to them anymore. Like those are all real things. Like people hurt one another. We all have stories. We all have been hurt. And I mean, if I'm honest, like I've hurt other people. But the thing is, guys, you can't follow Jesus in lone ranger mode. Like you, you can't follow Jesus on an island to yourself, there's a difference between having a personal relationship with Jesus, that you should have, that I want you to have, and a private relationship where it's just Jesus and me and no one else is a part of this. That is not New Testament Christianity. In fact, there are over a hundred kind of times in the New Testament where we see these two words show up, one another. And 59 of those are direct commands telling us to do things like love one another, to, to honor one another, to outdo one another in showing love, to, to clothe ourselves in humility towards one another. So you need other people in your life, in your Christian life, in your life following Jesus in order to obey Jesus. So the answer isn't just with, withdrawal from church community, withdrawal from community and salt community, withdrawal from being known and loved and entering in and being vulnerable, taking a risk at actually just being completely you. And hear me when I say this, guys. I want to get really clear. Salt Company isn't an event. Like, it's not an event. We are a group of people, a group of broken people, striving, straining after Jesus. We want to be closer to him, and we're doing that together. And since we're doing that together, we're actually going to go a lot farther. In other words, it's not just about Thursday nights. It's not just about Thursday nights, okay? We don't want you to just be a number in this room. We want you to be known and loved, fully known and loved, not just by the God of the universe, but by people in this room. But how do you get fully known? How do you get fully loved by other people, by other people in this room? How do you get good community? Like, what's the, what's the recipe for getting healthy community? That's what we're going to ask tonight. All right, that's our question. How do you get healthy community? Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. It's after the Gospels. It's one of the, the later epistles. This is a book that, uh, this is a letter to the church at Colossae that the Apostle Paul wrote. You might know him as St. Paul, Okay. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 12 through 17. Everybody there? You with me? Someone say, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Um, so this is Paul writing to Christians. Let's keep that in mind, all right? And we're asking, how in the world do we get healthy community? This is what he says in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, 
compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're going to stop there. Okay, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. First, before he lists any of these virtues, he says something about our identity. He's writing to Christians and he tells them they are God's chosen ones. They are holy and beloved. This is identity language. He is saying to you, Christian, you are already holy and you are already loved. And it's not through you being super obedient to this and exemplifying all of these virtues super well that you become holy and beloved. No, the God of the universe, through Christ dying for you, makes you already holy and beloved. So you need to keep this in mind before we get into all of this, that you are, if you're in Christ, chosen, holy, and beloved by God. But what I want us to do first is actually jump up to verse 5. Fail. Jump up to verse 5, okay? Because this is important. Paul, Paul's actually already been telling them something that really just kind of ties into what he says in verse 12 here when he's telling them to put things on. First, we need to put some things to death. So let me read verse 5 through 11. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of, of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, so remember this, first of all, right? Paul is writing to Christians. Paul is writing to people who have already died to themselves in order to follow Jesus. But he's reminding them again, you still need to die to yourself. Like, you still need to put some stuff to death in your life. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, these all need to be put away completely if you're going to keep with Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, these don't have a place in your life anymore. Like, we need to pause here, guys, for a minute and realize what we're reading is the inspired Word of God. The Holy Spirit, right now, is telling us if we're in Christ, that pornography, masturbation, greed, anger, all of these things, lying, slandering people, like talking about them behind their back, all of these things aren't of Christ. They're not pleasing to Christ, and they don't lead to being close to Christ. Die to all of your self-centered ambitions. Die to all of the bad habits of watching pornography night after night. Bring those into the light. Jesus has rendered those things powerless over you. His death defeated the power of sin. And yeah, your salvation doesn't ride and fall on your performance from this last week. But if you get just how big of a deal it is that Jesus Christ, the righteous Son of God, laid his life down for you when you were still in your sins, you wouldn't want this anymore. 
verse 9, when Paul says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. This is him using that one another language. But in this negative command where he's saying, don't do this. So you actually, you still need to be in community even to obey this because you need to have friends to not lie to in order to be obedient to what Paul is saying. Right? Don't lie to one another. This might even, you could think of it like, don't be fake with one another. If you're going to be in healthy community, don't fake it. Don't fake that you're put together. Bring everything into the light. Confess sin. Confess that you, you don't feel lovable. And when he goes down in, in verse 11 and says, here there is not Greek and Jew and these other people groups. He's saying here in the church, in the family of God, this doesn't matter. Those things, these, these identities, these, these earthly citizenships, they don't matter anymore. They pale in comparison to the fact that you are in Christ, the citizen of heaven, that is the truest thing about you. So here in Salt Company, there is not Republican and Democrat. There's not popular and unpopular. There's not rich and poor. Christ is the thing, the one thing that matters. The Bible says that your citizenship in heaven is the only allegiance that matters. So, okay, let's get down to our passage. Verse 12. Paul wants to have us put some things on in order to, to respond to the fact that God has made us righteous in Christ, that he's made us already acceptable to him. So let me read verse 12 again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I'm just going to finish our passage out, okay? Bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay. So, you've been clothed, as theologians would say, Christian, with an alien righteousness. You don't need to put on these things in order to be acceptable to God. No. Now, because you have been clothed with Christ's righteousness, it's time to start looking like him. It's time to start living in the new way because Jesus has already made you a new creation. The way that you represent Jesus now is you have a compassionate heart. You're kind to people even when they're not kind to you. You're humble. I love how Tim Keller defines humility, right? He says that humility isn't just thinking like less of yourself, like just beating yourself up, telling yourself that you're worthless. No, it's actually just thinking less often of yourself. Like it's being, it's being so others focused, so concerned with, with other people, their, their welfare, their joy in Jesus, their, their, I mean, even just opportunity to hear the gospel through you that you just, you don't think of yourself that much. You just think of yourself as a servant of King Jesus. 
tells you to put on meekness and patience. And then in verse 13, this is Paul kind of expressing what this might look like, what patience might look like, that you bear with one another. There's another one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. I'm not going to ramble a ton about forgiveness because I'm going to let Jordan and Sabrina do that. But guess what? It's here. It's a command to forgive each other. Like, let's be honest. If we do life with one another in a real way, somebody's going to have a complaint about somebody else. It might just be their BO or whatever, but let's be real. It's going to be something more significant than that at some point. And I just want to stop right here for a second and just give you like a couple practical tips about how to do this because it's going to happen. And what you should do is actually do what Jesus is saying to us in his word. Like have a complaint against another and allow them to forgive you. Have a real conversation. Do it in person. And if you need more, um, more help, more spots to go in scripture, Matthew 18 is actually a great place to turn to see what Jesus has to say about conflict amongst his people, about, about sin between one person and another person. Okay? Helpful. Matthew 18. Then he tells us this. We have to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. You might be here tonight and you actually don't really feel forgiven. And Jesus wants to forgive you. Like you are, you are with a group of people tonight that want to know that that's how you feel and they want to preach to you. Like I'm just one of those people. I'm not the only person. They want to tell you the, the truth of the gospel that you can't earn it. Only by clinging to Christ and trusting in his work alone do you receive forgiveness. And when we look at how amazing and good and kind he is, we realize we don't deserve it at all. But we can, as recipients of the forgiveness of Jesus, extend it to others. It's the only right response. And then he says this, above all, verse 14, above all these, above all these virtues, put on love. Like think of it as like, this is your coat. This is the thing that you're putting on that people are going to see above all these things. And it's really, love is like kind of the overarching thing amongst all these things. Like you, you, are you really, are you really a kind person, a patient person if you have no love at all? No, you're probably not. You need to have all these things. You need to be able to sacrifice yourself for others because Jesus sacrificed himself for you. Put on love. And love actually produces some things. It has an effect on things. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So Jesus' love and his work on the cross for you has accomplished something else besides your salvation. It's accomplished peace between you and your fellow man, between you and your neighbor. You now have a relationship with people that's restored because of Jesus in the church and his family. 
you were called into living in this body life, in this family of God. And then did you notice how it's a completely set alone sentence? And be thankful. I think, I think we have a thankfulness problem. Like I think some of, some of the, the things that we face in life are simply actually just because we don't stop and just be thankful for a moment every day. Like why does Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, decide that there needs to be one sentence in here amongst all these things that's just like, and be thankful. It's that important. Where in your daily schedule can you actually just write in five minutes to stop and consider the things you have to be thankful for? It sounds cheesy, but guess what? If you're in Christ, and even if you're not, God's common grace gives you so many things to be thankful for. And if you come up to me later and tell me, I don't really think you have, you know, I have a lot of things to be thankful for, I promise you I'll give you some. I'm going to give you some right now because I want to. Um, I can do that because I'm up here. Um, The air that you're breathing, whose air is that? God's. How are you here? Like why, how did you get here? God created you. You have things to be thankful for. Thankfulness might actually be one of the, when when it's absent, might actually be one of the, the roots of some of our deepest problems. Then Paul says this, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How does the word of Christ dwell in us richly? He uses passive language. Like there's, there's something here that wants, just we need to see that the word of Christ is alive. Like it, it's going to dwell in us and it's going to produce something in us and it's going to teach us. But the people teaching and admonishing one another, that's not just like for me and people on staff or pastors or whatever. Like it's saying one another People in the church, God's people, the word of Christ dwelling in them richly produces everybody teaching and admonishing one another and singing to Jesus. Because why? Because they're thankful. Because he's done something great for them. Do you have thankfulness in your heart to God every day? Like what what would happen? if your thankfulness to God increased? What kind of person would you be? What kind of person would you be to the rest of your community if you grew in thankfulness to God for what he's done for you this year? And then verse 17, and whatever you do, like if Paul hasn't been clear enough already, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether you are talking or whether you are doing something that people see or doing something for people, do it for Jesus. Like this, this verse makes me think of something that I think we just need to talk about for a minute. Because he says, whatever you do in word or deed. There's this quote, I don't even know who first said it, but, but I think we actually should have a little bit of a problem with it. It's like, 
preach the gospel. If necessary, you use words. No, you actually have to use words to preach the gospel. You have to use words to preach the gospel for somebody to be saved. They need to hear about what Jesus has done for them. However, that doesn't minimize your deeds. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do things that reflect Christ. All of these virtues are, are deeds in one sense. Like you have, to, you have to model the fact that you've received a salvation from God as a gift. But you have to do things both for Jesus in word and in deed. And all the time, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to help you guys actually let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because this seems like if you get that, you get these other things. If the word of Christ dwells in you richly, then the rest follows. And it's, it's, like, it's not going to be probably something that you haven't heard before, right? If, if it's something like crazy new, maybe you should check me. But one of the things I want to invite you to do with your, with your connection group, just even with a friend, is memorize this passage, verses 12 through 17 in Colossians 3. When, when scripture reading feels dry, when it feels just like kind of you're slogging through some muck, pick a different translation. Like there are, there are a multitude of good translations, I think, that we should use. And sometimes I actually do this when I'm like, I just want... Bible reading to feel fresh and reading something that I've read before, I'm going to pick, instead of the ESB, ESV, I'm going to pick the CSB. Or when you read, read out loud. Last week, Jordan was saying like, man, if you're new to following Jesus or if you're new to the Bible, start reading through the Gospel of John. You could start that still if you haven't. Pick someone next to you, start doing it with them. Because letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly is going to produce things that are awesome. And so, if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, this, this active and alive word of God dwell in us richly, this whole room is actually going to be equipped and empowered by God through his word to teach and admonish one another. Like to point each other back to the gospel when we, when we are living like it doesn't matter. When we've forgotten it, when we need to hear it again, when we're confessing sin, we're going to preach the gospel to each other. And admonishing. Admonishing is like a warning. Okay? Admonishing is like, you need to come to me. Like I want you, I want friends that come to me and warn me of the great danger if like I'm planning on leaving my wife and kid and going off and doing whatever I want and finding another spouse. You should admonish me. This is what healthy community does. God wants to show his, his reconciling work of saving sinners through communities, namely churches. Like, you can't follow Jesus. You can't be obedient to Jesus if you don't belong to his church, his body. And that's visible to the world through local churches, through like Veritas Church. You're here right now. You should come on Sunday. And he wants to use the daily means of reading your Bible and prayer to produce these things of thankfulness and obedience to him. But you guys, that's not all. The main ingredient for a healthy community 
like the main ingredient isn't just you doing these things and practicing these things and trying hard. It's individual security in the gospel. The more secure you are in your identity that Jesus gives you already, like at the beginning, verse 12, Christian, you're holy and beloved, you're chosen. The more healthy you'll be, then the more healthy the community around you will be. So you could say it this way, people secure in Jesus are bound for healthy community. People secure in Jesus are bound for healthy community. So what's the recipe for healthy community? It's simple. Fall more in love every day with the fact that already in Christ, God looks at you and sees Jesus' perfect obedience. Jesus perfectly being compassionate and kind and humble and meek and patient with his enemies. Fall more in love with the fact that God sees you clothed in what Jesus gave you as a gift. And be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Trust that as you actually open up and share the deepest, darkest things about you, the things that you actually think, like if I share this, I don't know what people are going to think of me. No, if, if you actually have friends changed by the gospel, they are going to love you. They're going to be faithful friends. What if, what if this year actually everyone in your connection group grew in their security in Jesus? Like they, they actually every day fell more in love with the fact that in Christ they were seen and loved by God and fully known. I think your group, your group would actually be attractive to people that don't even follow Jesus yet. Like there would be this, this kind of magnetic pull into the community of your group because they see how you serve and love and treat one another and how actually like a group of friends, some of you are like, friends, they're weirdos. A group of people following Jesus that you actually like find yourself with because you have the single most important thing in common. Because you just actually went all in. You stepped into community, trusting that the gospel has changed me. It's changed these people. And not only that, but this group, this group would need to multiply because people want in. People want this type of, of community. People want these friends that even if, even if I don't have it all together, because nobody does, they would want in. And someday there would be so many connection groups, little pockets of these types of communities of light changed by the gospel, so secure in the fact that Jesus says who they are and that's what matters, that there's connection groups meeting on every single floor of every single dorm and apartment. You guys, whatever you do, like whatever you do, whether you are speaking to someone, whether you're doing your homework or whether you're at work, do it for Jesus. Because he's done something far more amazing for you. The greatest motivation like for doing things for Jesus is the fact that Jesus has done the greatest work in all the world for you. The gospel is the motivation for living for Jesus. And so tonight, if 
if you, you don't know Jesus, my invitation is to actually just come to him, to let Jesus clothe you with his righteousness. You don't have to perform for God. He's sacrificed his own son for you. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. You can be someone who God says is holy and beloved tonight through faith alone in Jesus. Turn from the way you've been living. Turn from the sin that you have chosen and turn to Jesus. And even for those of you that have, maybe tonight's the hundredth time that again you need to just bask in the fact that Jesus clothed you with his righteousness and you need to ask him for it as we worship even more. That you would be reminded of it more. That you would experience and taste the fact that he is good and he's extended his love to you. And Jesus didn't just die on the cross and get put in a tomb. He rose from the dead. He is alive. He is, he's here right now. He wants us to know him deeper. He wants us to be transformed by his word and respond to him in worship. So let's pray. God, we don't deserve your, your love. We don't deserve the fact that you already just have just said that we belong in your family. God, thank you that you have shown us your love in Christ. Thank you that this, this room is filled with, with people created in your image that deserve complete dignity and honor. God, I pray that we would, as this community that wants to love you more, grow with a growth that is actually from you. We can't produce it, God. You have to do it. You have to change us even more. You have to, by your spirit, put to death the things that are still just kind of twitching and still a little bit alive in our life that aren't pleasing to you. Please, please make Salt Company an attractive community to these campuses, God. Help us to be, help us to be salt and light. And help us to love one another and forgive one another as you've forgiven us. Pray in your name. Amen.